Well, we're going through a series here at Emmanuel called Amazed and Afraid. We are studying the book of Mark. Oftentimes what drew people to Christ was a sense of awe, but it could also cause a feeling of trepidation. As Dave has been preaching, the disciples really struggled to see who Christ was and continued to grapple with this throughout their lives. As we travel through the book of Mark, we now come to chapter 14. This is the climax in Jesus' life. The first part of Mark was about the ministry of Jesus. Now the story turns to the account and death and resurrection of Jesus and the preceding events. There are a lot of stories in this chapter, but the one we will focus on today is the story of Peter's denial of Christ. There is a story of inner conflict played out in Peter's life as he seeks to follow Christ. Peter is a very ardent follower of Christ and a spokesperson amongst the disciples. We hear more about Peter's interactions with Jesus than any of the other disciples in the Gospels. His interactions seem to represent our human condition. Though Peter is drawn to Christ and answers the call to come and see, Peter wavers in his faithfulness to him. Part of being drawn to someone and wanting distance at the same time reminds me of a time when I was in junior high. My parents took me to the mall to meet my friends. It was the cool place to hang out. At one point, my friends and I were walking like on one side of the mall and my parents were on the other side. One of my friends asked me, aren't those your parents? I was mortified, and I said a firm no. <laughs> Luckily, I've grown past that stage, um, and at least my parents hope so at this point. The book of Mark was based on Peter's sermons. John Mark wrote this book. He was with Peter in Rome and based this on Peter's time with Jesus. So ultimately, the Gospel of Mark was authorized by Peter himself. The Gospels were not really just a biography that detailed all the events of Jesus' life, nor did they claim to be historically objective. It was a genre all in itself. It was written by the church, for the church, and for the world, so that the apostles could share the life of Jesus with generations to come. All of that being said, I think Mark described Peter candidly. Peter was described with no holds bar. Now let us read our text. It comes from Mark chapter 14, verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. 
Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your word to us this day. Please open our minds and our hearts to your love. Amen. In our opening sentences today, Peter gives us a well-known confession that Jesus is the Christ. He affirms that Jesus is the Son of God. He is on board with Jesus. However, immediately following Peter's great confession of Jesus, Jesus starts teaching the disciples that he must suffer and die and rise again. Peter rebukes Jesus for this, protesting that the Lord can't suffer. He shouldn't have to die. In turn, Jesus rebukes Peter for his protest. Sometimes Peter got it right, and sometimes he didn't. Jesus' claim to be the Messiah held a lot of political connotations. The people of Israel and Jesus' disciples thought that he was going to come and restore Israel politically and free them from Rome. Jesus' mission was far beyond what the disciples could comprehend or understand. They were confused about who Jesus was and why he came. In our call to confessions today, it came from earlier in Mark when Jesus predicted Peter's denial. Jesus claimed that all would fall away. However, as Lauren read, Peter responded that even if everyone else would fall away, he wouldn't. Peter insisted that even if I had to die with you, I will never disown you. The other said the same. This is our human condition or state of being, as Paul wrote in Romans. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Peter wasn't the only one who struggled with congruency in regards to his actions and deeds. Peter's denial coincides with the passage immediately before in Mark 14. While Peter is disowning Jesus downstairs in the courtyard, Israel's religious elite are disowning Jesus upstairs while putting him on trial. Jesus was on trial before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin consisted of the ruling high priest Caiaphas and the council of 70 people. The council consisted of the chief priests, which included former priests, elders, and scribes. The elders were the most influential people in Jerusalem. Some of them were wealthy landowners. The scribes were primarily lawyers who were from the middle class and held Pharisaic conditions. They were the teachers of the law. This group were jealous of Jesus because of his authority and crowds that he drew. In order for the Sanhedrin to place Jesus on trial, they had to get him alone. They were afraid of what the crowds might do. During the time of the Passover, Jerusalem was filled with people. Probably 250,000 people came into Jerusalem for that celebration. So in order to get Jesus alone, they had to hold the trial when Jesus was not in the crowds. For this reason, the council held a swift, unusual trial at night. 
Probably the members of the council who were in favor of Jesus weren't invited. The Sanhedrin were in a hurry to convict Jesus of a crime so they could turn Jesus over to the Roman court, for they couldn't perform capital punishment. Israel was not able to perform capital punishment because they were under Roman rule. So their goal was to turn Jesus over to Pilate and the Romans as soon as possible so they could sentence his death. While the trial was going on upstairs in Caiaphas, the high priest's house, Peter was downstairs in the courtyard. There was a forecourt and an inner court separated by a door. Peter would not have likely been able to enter the inner court. However, he could enter the outer court. Perhaps he felt a feeling of dread, helplessness, and fear. Here was his Lord being put on trial and in the process of being sentenced to death. It was about 1 a.m. when Peter was warming himself before the fire with the attendants and servants of Caiaphas' household. One of the servant girls saw Peter warming himself and said, You were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I don't know or understand what you are talking about. Peter left and went out into the entryway. The servant girl saw him standing there again and pointed out to them, he is one of them. Again, Peter denied it. Finally, those standing near him said, surely you are one of them, for you are Galilean. Peter's accent probably gave him away. The Galilean dialect was different from the Hebrew and Aramaic languages. This provoked Peter to continue vehemently that he had no knowledge of the Nazarene. The denial was punctuated by the crowing of the cock a second time. It was the peculiar habit of the rooster that the rooster would crow three times between the period of midnight and 3 a.m. After the cock crowed twice, Peter remembered Jesus' prediction that he would deny Christ three times before the cock crowed. Peter broke down and wept. He was overwhelmed with guilt and regret. This must have been one of the lowest moments of Peter's life. Certainly, many of us could relate with Peter. He had hit rock bottom. Of course, Peter wanted to disassociate himself with Christ. He was about ready to be sentenced to death. If Peter was associated with Christ, he might be put to death too. We cannot blame him for this. But we know we too struggle to remain loyal to Jesus in hard times and struggle to remain faithful with him. That inner conflict and prone to wander from Christ in that moment prevailed, and sometimes it does in our lives too. We too are conflicted about Jesus and why he came. We are also conflicted between our sinful nature and ways that lead us to Christ. Our inner conflict can play itself out in our actions toward Christ and one another. At times, like Peter, we are so adamant, I will never do this again, whatever that thing is, and then the sin kicks in, and we do it. So when we hit rock bottom and we weep over what we have done, it begs the question, what is next? Was this the end of Peter's story? 
Is it the end of our story? Well, gratefully, we are here in this present time, and we know it isn't the end of the story. Jesus came to restore us to him through the cross and resurrection. It is a proclamation that our failures and sin are not the last word. Christ absolved our sin, brokenness, and failures. Even when we deny God, he doesn't deny us. After Christ's resurrection, he reinstated Peter and instructs him to feed his lambs and sheep. Christ continues to work in Peter's life and use him for the glory to build his early church. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for never giving up on us and for loving us and for using us to spread your news. Amen.